0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome to the show, Employment Law Show. This morning, it is Andrew Goldberg in the hot seat, taking all of your calls and emails. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Andrew, my brother, what do you got? Uh, what do you got off the hop for a week that was? Well, I wanted to
2: kind of piggyback off what you were talking about there a bit, which is the uh, temporary layoffs during the pandemic. And, uh, you know, as you know, and as many people are experiencing, uh, there's been tons of temporary layoffs across the province since back in March 2020. And many of those people have been on what's considered an infectious disease emergency leave. We've been talking about that quite a bit on the show. We call it IDEL. So pretty much what that's meant was, um, your employer has put you on a temporary layoff. They haven't recalled you back to work. Many people have been off for well over a year at this point. So the purpose of this week at was, the week that was, is to discuss the fact that in one month on July 3rd, this IDEL, this uh, COVID layoff period is coming to an end, which is great news. Uh, so many people that we've been speaking to have said, you know, okay, we're, we're excited for that. July 3rd, the IDEL period is over. But if you think that that means you'll be back at work, you might be mistaken. Um, What your employer very well might try to do is now put you on a regular temporary layoff, right? So the COVID layoff is ending, but you might very well be put on a regular temporary layoff. So what that would mean for you is no, on July 4th, you will not necessarily be returning to work. Your employer may continue your layoff up. For, to an extra thirty-five weeks, so essentially another eight months, um, you could be on a, on a layoff. So, don't think necessarily if you're listening to this and and you know see, seen on the news that on July third uh, the idle period's coming to an end that you're good, you'll be back at work. Uh, you might not be back at work for nine months, but uh, that doesn't mean there's no light at the end of the tunnel. You can, as always, as we talk about all the time, claim constructive dismissal because many of these layoffs aren't even allowed at all in the first place. So if you're tired of being on a layoff and you don't want to wait, you're welcome to give our firm a call. We can help you pursue your severance. If you uh, continue to wait it out in hopes that you'll be recalled on July 3rd and it doesn't happen, you can call us at that point as well.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, at this point, and, you know, this many shows into the pandemic, which is dozens of shows, we've been talking about this since the get-go. Even before the inception and now the time running out on the – you know, infectious disease, emergency leave. You've been saying to people, the Orsman saying to everybody, don't sit back in your laurels on temporary layoff and accept it and hope that maybe, possibly, kind of, sort of, maybe you'll get called back to work. You don't want to make the move now. You could have done it a year ago, and, you know, you can make haste and do it tomorrow if you like. But it's 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 wise words just to tell people. I mean, you have options out there because, like you said, I can't imagine waiting another nine or 35 weeks. I mean, that would just, like, where is it going to end at that point? When's the last time I went to work? You know, it's, it's crazy for people to do that, so. I don't
2: know. Well it's that is that well, yeah, then you're right. I mean if you're put on a regular temporary layoff at the end of this uh July third period here, you'll be off work for you could be off work theoretically for two years at that point, going back to March twenty twenty. So I mean, that'd be quite a bizarre thing to to even attempt to go back at that point. But yeah, like you said, there's many people that, that have already called us and continue to call us and we anticipate that once July third rolls around, there's gonna be many listeners who are hoping that they're that's the day that that they'll hear from their boss that you're back at work and when they get that letter saying hey you could be off for another 35 weeks we expect to get uh, quite a few calls at that point
1: yeah and arm yourself with that phone number by the way you want to reach out to andrew a member of his team at the firm or anybody uh, over there do yourself a favor and keep it uh, keep it with you in your wallet and you're on your smartphone whatever you have just in case july 3rd comes out if you're waiting that long and everything is still status quo with your uh, your employer. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred would be the number help at employmentlawyer.ca. want to get to this five things to remember when being recalled from a temporary layoff. There we go. So we're going to fast forward a bit and look at this as if the doors are opening back up to work. You leave at home. You got to go do your job again. Number one, you have a right to return to a safe workplace. This is both a concern of the employer and employee, correct?
2: Of course. I mean, the employer has the obligation to ensure the safe workplace and you as an employee have a right to work in a safe workplace. And, if you know, there's many people that are actually comfortable being on temporary layoffs because they, you know, are very nervous about the pandemic and the health effects. So there, there's some group of the population out there that's completely comfortable being off work at this time and has no interest in going back. So you know i get questions all the time about okay my boss has asked me to come back to work i'm extremely nervous about uh potential repercussions of you know getting uh 19 and and you know do i have to go back and you know the reality is you do have a right to a safe workplace and you do have to go back to the workplace if you're being recalled back to work but absolutely it has to be safe so before going back if you haven't been to your workplace in a year, over a year's time, by all means, ask your employer, what have you done to ensure that this workplace is safe? What have you implemented? What protocols? Are there social distancing policies and procedures? Are there, is there access to PPE and sanitary stations and, you know, a reduced workforce so that there's not, you know, enough people in the workplace that, um, you know, we're all on top of each other or scattered hours, whatever the case might be but you have absolutely ask your employer what they're doing and if you go back to the workplace and you do have concerns point those out uh, to your employer and you know if you're if you're worried about it um, you know and you you have to say something right so that's a big mistake people make is they don't say anything and I, i'd recommend always put it in writing as well it's something we talked about on the show if that applies to so many settings and so many scenarios but don't hesitate to put things in email, even if it's not something you regularly do. If you speak to your, you know, your boss or the owner, you know, on the phone or over, you know, just regular personal conversations, Zoom, whatever. Don't be afraid to put things over email. You want to paper things and how they happen. So, uh, by all means, you have every right to a safe workplace, uh, and that's beyond COVID nineteen. That's that's just in in any way. Uh, if you have heavy machinery or Um, Even with respect to harassment and bullying, uh, you have the right to a workplace free of these kind of concerns.
1: And we'll move on to another point here. We're talking about five things to remember when being recalled from a temporary layoff. And this one is where, I mean, it might not be with any sort of malice, but a lot of workplaces, a lot of employers now have been a little stretched, a little thin. And they might want to start, I don't know, cutting some corners and kind of changing things for employees when they come back. I'm talking in the way of uh, hours of work, when they're going to be working, layoffs, maybe the same pay, maybe adjusting that. But you have the right to earn the same pay, hours of work, and job you had before you went on layoff,
2: right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. When you return from a temporary layoff, your job should be the exact same as it was when you left it. I mean, it's just essentially a pause in time. But if you go back to work and your boss says, listen, uh, you know, times are tough or, you know, in the year that you've been gone, we've, we've changed things uh, quite a bit around here. So I know you used to work nine to five, but now we'd like you to come in from noon to 9 p.m. Uh, you're going to be doing this different job, uh, but you don't have to accept any of that. And you have no obligation to do any of those things, to take a reduced pay, a different type of pay. You know, maybe you earned a base salary and now you're employers tried to move you to more of a commission-based structure, uh, whatever the case might be. If if you return to the workplace and you're notified in advance or you just go back to work and you're told, you know, the day you get there, hey, this is the way things are going to be now, make it very clear if you're not prepared to accept those changes that you are not prepared to do so. Because you, you run the risk, you know. So another really important point is, if an employer attempts to make changes in the workplace, say, for example, you know, your employer's changing your duties, you come back to work and, you know, you now have all these different tasks to perform that you didn't have previously before the layoff. If you keep doing those new tasks and you don't say anything about it and don't act on it for a period of time, it, an employer can argue that you've accepted those changes. So it's, it's important to be very quick to communicating your concern with uh, any, uh, alterations of your duties or pay or, or anything about your job.
1: And that dovetails nicely into number three of our five points, things you need to be aware of when being recalled from temporary layoff. You do not have to sign a new employment contract. There is going to be a ton of paper being printed off across this country when people return, because you know some employers are going to, again, based on your, your previous point, want to make some modifications moving forward with current employees and trying to get them to sign fresh employment contracts when they return, right? Don't be doing that.
2: Yeah, I mean that—that that I would say is probably the biggest concern right now. Yeah. People—they're interesting because, you know, it's easy to get caught in the moment, right? They're put on a temporary layoff; they've been off for so long. Now they're being recalled back, and it's almost at times that I'm speaking to, uh, you know, clients and prospective clients, they perceive that as. You know something that's being done for them like a good thing like look my employer's calling me back right like you know when they're asking me to sign this contract so maybe i should sign it to get my job back it's you know no you you shouldn't have been laid off in the first place in in the vast majority of times and you, you don't have to sign a contract to come back to work they have to bring you back to work so if you're presented an employment contract and your return to work is Going to be based on whether or not you sign this thing. Absolutely, at minimum, have this thing reviewed by a lawyer because the the law changes all the time when it comes to your employment rights, especially when it comes to severance. Um, the courts constantly have changed uh, their you know their analysis on the enforceability of some of the language in these contracts, oftentimes in the employee's fit favor. So. The, the, you know, the law works in your favor if you're an employee. But what that means is there's going to be all these employers out there that realize like, oh crap, over the last year and a half, um, our contracts that we previously had are now not really that great. So we can use this as an opportunity to sneak in new contracts and try to get in restrictive terms to these employees. And because they're being recalled, they're going to think, oh, we need to do this. So don't do it I always tell people, if you're being asked to sign a contract, there's a reason, and that reason is not for your advantage. So definitely at minimum have that reviewed. It, it takes you know half an hour, an hour to have a conversation with a lawyer to discuss a contract, and it can save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run if uh, it turns out there's problematic language in there.
1: Two more to go, but we'll take a first uh, first little break here. And by the way, uh, as mentioned by Andrew, you want you get that new contract or any other questions prior to going back to work. Don't just sit there and go, I don't, know, I don't know. Reach out to Andrew and his team, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Ask questions. Do it. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. We'll continue employment law show. This is Global News Radio. All right, welcome back. Want to send along an email? We'll get to those a little later on. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And wanted to mention as well, before you go anywhere, even the phone call here or to Andrew otherwise, you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Free anonymous website, a ton of employment law information on there. And part of Pocket Employment Lawyer is the severance pay calculator that has been used literally hundreds of thousands of times. If you're ever just curious of what your severance might be, if you uh, lose your gig, that's where you. That's where you want to go. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Okay, two of these left. Uh, Andrew, five things to remember when being recalled from a temporary layoff. Number four, your seniority does not start back at zero. Could you imagine when they try to pull that one on you?
2: Um, I can imagine pretty much anything at this point uh, <laughs> that employers may or may not try to pull. Um, and like you know, that's obviously the purpose of this show. It's some, sometimes. You know, it ceases to amaze me the kind of things that we see on a daily basis. But so you wish things went without saying, but unfortunately they don't. And here we are sometimes um, reiterating what should be very obvious to some people. But if, if in case it's not, one important point is that, yes, like you said, your seniority does definitely not go back to zero. So if you work for a company for 15 years, have been on a layoff for a year and a half and a recall back to work, you are your years of service count and not only do those 15 years of service count that you were actively employed, but so does the year and a half that you were on the layoff, right? So if you're recalled back to work, you're now a 16 and a half year employee. Um, so don't forget about that as well. Not only do those previous years of work count, but so do the layoff years. So it definitely does not start back at zero. Uh, so if you're terminated sometime after your recall, or if you're not recalled at all and and are in fact, um, is terminated during the layoff, you're entitled to severance based on the totality of your service to that date. So certainly uh, that should not be a concern if, if that's something you're worried about.
1: And our final five, uh, or at least final point of the five things to remember when being recalled from a temporary layoff. If you aren't recalled to work, you are owed severance pay. Save the big one for the last, huh?
2: Well, yeah, but always the best for last. But that yeah. feeds into kind of the discussion we had at the outside of the show, which is in the normal course, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, if you were put on a temporary layoff, you knew when that layoff needed to end before you were deemed to be terminated permanently and would get severed. So if you were put on a temporary layoff and your benefits weren't continued by your employer, so if you had health and dental benefits, for example, and they weren't being continued that layoff could only last 13 weeks. And after 13 weeks, if you weren't recalled back to work, no questions asked, your employment is now terminated. You are owed severance. There's nothing to worry about at all. And if your benefits did continue, so if you received health and dental benefits during your temporary layoff, your employer could lay you off for up to 35 weeks before um, you would automatically be entitled to severance. So if you're not recalled, you definitely didn't have to sit around forever and, you know, it's not like your employer had to say, you know, five years down the line, okay, we've decided to make it permanent. So right. here's your severance. Um, <clears throat> but that's the scary thing about this infectious disease emergency leave that went into effect during the pandemic because the, what the government essentially said was, okay, we're pausing those timelines and until this infectious disease emergency leave, the IDEL uh, layoff period comes to an end an employer, you're not deemed to be terminated and your employer doesn't have to pay you severance until that point. But what kept happening was it kept extending the dates. So the original end date for this IDEL was back last year and then it got pushed forward to January and now into uh, July. So, you know, now it's, you know, we have some you know very strong reason to believe that it will be certainly over at that point. But, you know, who knows? It could be extended again. Um, but for those of you listening at this stage as it stands today, if you're not recalled by, January, or sorry, by July 3rd, it does not necessarily mean that you're owed severance pay at that moment uh, by your employer because they could just shift you to the regular temporary layoff, at which point you could be off for another 35 weeks and then be paid your severance pay. So if you're not recalled to work, at some point in time you are going to be owed severance pay if you don't want to wait that extended period. You could pursue that now uh, with the help of uh, legal counsel and claim a uh, constructive dismissal because those layoffs uh, shouldn't have happened in the first place.
1: If you decide to go that uh, that route, which would be probably a wise thing that we always say on the show, not to let it fester any longer and get, get, your, get your severance and, and move on that you're owed, by the way, does that year and a half also accrue as far as the amount of time you've been employed, even though you haven't been working? So if you're a 15-year employee going out, Coming back now, you're 16 and a half year employee. Does that also add to your severance?
2: It, it absolutely does. So oh. if you're uh, if you're, uh, I think that's a, it's a great point. It does add to your severance. So your severance is going to be based on a variety of factors. A, a huge factor being the length of service with your employer. So you know, if you're, it, it, you know, it might have a little more impact if you're a bit of a um, more of m- a middle term employee. So, say, for example, you have four years of service when you left on the layoff, but now you have six by the time you're coming back, that could be a significant difference in your severance pay. So, um, I mean, I suppose that is one benefit of, uh, of you know, the, uh, I guess you could say of the layoff, which is that, you know, by the time it's all said and done, if your employment is terminated, you'll get a better severance package than you would have gotten or entitled to a better severance package than you would be if you were uh, permanently terminated at the beginning
1: of the pandemic. Uh, Lois, thank you so much for standing by. How are you? Hi there. Hello. Hi. Who's this? Oh, this is Alex. Oh, Alex. I have a completely different name here. Okay, Alex, go ahead. What's going on? Um, Since the layoff, uh, some of our staff
3: have been laid off, and now we've asked them to come back and – they don't want to come back. And uh, I had one response saying, oh, I still have EI up until September, so I'm not coming back. What can we do?
2: So, so great point. If, if they're not coming back to work, um, you do need to determine the reasons why. I mean, the reason why is important. Uh, the fact that they can get EI is, it has no bearing on anything. Okay. So that's absolutely not a valid reason. The reasons you'd have to be concerned about are kind of more human rights related implications. So if one of your employees said, you know, I have a very unwell child and she, you know, she, as a result, she can't be at school and I have to be at home to take care of her, or they themselves have a medical condition that precludes them from coming to work. Those are things you have to consider as an employer, so in terms of accommodating, but if it's just their preference not to go back because they'd rather get EI, absolutely not. You could consider them to have abandoned their job and treat that as a resignation, okay? So you could write to that, whoever that person is that said, I get EI, so I'm staying on this thing. Um, You could write to that person, and I'd recommend doing it in writing, and say, look, like on X date, I told you I, I wanted you back at work by Y date, you advise me that you are not going to be returning at this time, um, you know, please, uh, you know, be notified that we expect you back to work. And if you don't come back by this date, we're considering you to have abandoned your job. And if there's anything else you wish to discuss, let us know, but uh, that's, you know, that's the position we're going to take. So you that very well could be considered a job abandonment and, and you wouldn't owe these people anything if that's the case. If you want more kind of pointed uh, feedback in that regard, and definitely you can give me a call or give the, one of our lawyers a call to kind of walk you through that process of it, but you don't have to accept that at all as an employer.
3: Okay, so how long can they, let's say they use a, a medical excuse or something, or saying, oh, I've got, you know, sick parents or something like that, and I don't feel safe. How long could they play that card?
2: Well, it, you know, hopefully in some... Some of the situations it's valid, and not everyone's, you know, being uh, kind of, uh, you know, dishonest about it or anything, but it really depends on how long it's supported, right? So if someone says to you, you know, Alex, I, I can't come back to work because I have this medical problem and uh, it's, it's unsafe for me, then they need to get, you could ask them, okay, can you please get a doctor's note confirming? that you were unable to work at this time as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And if they, and how, and you could ask, you know, we want to know just know how long that's going to be in effect for. So they would need medical documentation supporting it. And frankly, as long as they have that medical documentation, um, then they, 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 they will be entitled to remain off. You know, you as an employer could ask, you know, is there, if there, is there anything that we can do to, uh, you know, that would allow this person to return. And if so, um, you can try to maybe implement those things and and that might kind of push the issue and, and result in them coming back. You just have to make sure you're asking the right things. There's some things that you cannot ask as an employer. It's too personal, uh, in terms of the information that you're seeking when it comes to disabilities or and things of that nature. So you do have to be a bit careful, but essentially as long as it's supported by their doctors, um, they're
1: going to be able to, to stay home. I see. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thanks, yeah. Alex. Appreciate that. Uh, you want to move on uh, a little further and have a further uh, conversation with uh, with Andrew at your leisure? No problem. Here's how you do that, pal. 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. That is the email address. I want to bounce down to, uh, I think, an email before we move on to our next topic, pal. Uh, Duncan writes and says... Uh, Hey, Andrew, my team has been working from home for the past six months. Uh, now that COVID numbers are improving, my employer has asked us to return to work at the office. Are we forced to go back, or can we continue working from home in our jammies? like Everybody else. <laughs> <you think. laughs>
2: yes. The real question is, what are we both wearing now? As we do this? Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, that, that Duncan's question actually follows uh, Alex's question quite well, from the from the opposite perspective, from that of the employee. But in this case, <clears throat> it sounds like uh, his team's actually working from home, and the employer's asking them to go back. You know, unfortunately, for many people out there, you don't have the automatic right to work from home. It doesn't matter if you think you're completely capable of doing your job or if in fact, you have been doing your job successfully, if your employer says to you, look, we, we want you to come back and work from the office, they have the right to do that. And that being said, I mean, the same kind of caveats apply being, is that workplace safe? If you return to the workplace and there are safety concerns, then you can raise those issues as, as an employee. And um, that could, you know, obviously change the narrative a bit because, you uh, if it's not a safe workplace, then you can't be expected to work there. And then another issue could be if you need accommodation. So for example, if you have a medical issue that makes you more susceptible to, um, you know, uh, the symptomology associated with COVID, you can get really sick and it it could have very detrimental impacts on your health. So your doctor said you should be at home at this time. Your employer should try to allow you to continue to work from home. If you've been doing it in the past, they should be accommodating you and letting you continue to do so. But if, if that's not the case, and it's just simply I've been working at home, I've been enjoying it, and now my boss is asking me to go back and I don't want to, yeah. uh, you, you have to. Yeah,
1: totally. Let's take a short break, guys. Help at employmentlawyer.ca for email as well, and always, always pocket the website too. We'll continue employment law showing right here on Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Employment Law Show, you bet, reaching out after we are done for the day with Andrew, member of his team. Easy, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you go to the website, employmentlawyer.ca, that'll take you to the firm website. Across the top, you can check out the media links. And uh, you'll be able to view our 30-minute uh, TV show of uh, the employment law in nature. It's kind of what we do here on the radio, but 30 minutes on TV every week. So you can check that out again, employmentlawyer.ca. Watch that at uh, at your own pace. In between that, though, everything you need to know about termination for cause, most obvious question off the top, what is, Andrew, termination for cause?
2: Well, I wish it was an obvious question, but it's actually quite complicated at times. But in, in essence, at, at a general level, a termination for cause is a situation where you you are losing your job because of wrongdoing on your part. So you've done something fundamentally, you know, so horrible that your employer is saying, you know, we can't possibly have you continue work here. That we can't trust you. Um, this employment relationship has to come to an end. So it's not a situation where the company is making cuts because of financial reasons or they're restructuring the workplace and they don't necessarily need your job function anymore it's because you you know lied or cheated or or stole from the company or you harassed a coworker, or whatever or that they're alleging that you've done and they're saying look we're we're letting you go for cause and um the obvious uh implication of that and why employers are trying will allege such a thing and why the distinction exists is because if you're fired for cause, arguably you would not be entitled to severance. So that's why there is this distinction at
1: all. We'll get to more of those as always. uh, Priority is the phone calls. Hey, Ben. Hey. What's up?
3: Uh, I, uh, I seem to be in a situation with my uh, current employer regarding a uh, health matter. Um, I may, um, uh, prostate cancer survivor and I've just recently been uh, uh, diagnosed with uh, bladder cancer and uh, I'm trying uh, my best to work with the company and to find out uh, I, I work a uh, Monday to Friday I was working Monday to Friday and um it was asked of me to, uh, uh, try different shifts, uh, because I was working every once a month or every four weeks, I'd work six days and I'm finding it's very difficult to, um, to, to manage the processes of bladder cancer and my workload and family, uh, as well, which is a major support group for me. And, uh, I'm now on an off off shift where I'm working Tuesday to Saturday and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just, I'm just uh, confused uh, as to why I just. I, I w- originally went to them and gave them the documentation, a doctor's note, uh, ES standards and policies, and uh, I, I'm just uh, by myself here, and I'm trying to find out what my rights are.
2: Okay, so. So Ben, so you you mentioned there that you did give them doctor's notes so far and documentation. I mean, yeah. The 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 most straightforward answer I can give you is look, if you are struggling to work a certain shift because of your health concerns, <clears throat> and your doc the, the one thing you want to do, of course, is see your doctor, let your doctor know, "Hey, I'm I'm having these troubles at work. I'm finding this hard to maintain or, you know, for whatever reasons associated with your condition, um, it's not working for me. If your doctor writes a note or prepares, you know, a one-page or two-page report or whatever outlining that you cannot work a certain shift or you cannot work certain hours or you should be working only certain hours. So if your doctor says, you know, Ben, you really should only be working nine to five Mondays through Fridays because that. Kind of level of consistency is going to be good for you or whatever the case may be it's important that that kind of detail is is flushed out okay by your doctor so again it's not
3: sorry the doctor's note i apologize for interrupting but the the doctor in your in your perspective uh is is slightly vague um in the sense that it says uh my uh regular working hours uh minus any overtime, and what's happened is that we've agreed to volunteer to work one weekend out of a month, and I know that sounds easy to do, and it is previously I had no issues to it, but since I've had this uh bladder issue um i've I've more or less retracted uh or withdrawn from any volunteer uh, uh weekend work or extra work okay uh, and so my doctor's note basically says uh, works regular hours, which my regular hours, as I was hired, was Monday to Friday, uh, starting at six a.m. And I'm a truck driver, so I have 13 hours a day max, which never gets maxed out. Okay. And this stipulation I have is the when I asked uh, to um, ask to not have to work the Saturday, um, the I, I I got a bunch of. Uh, uh, hurdles thrown in front of me that, that I had to overcome uh, rather than just say, look at, I can't work the Saturday um, for a short period of time. I don't know when, uh, but my urologist will let me know when I can get back on, on in the truck and work uh, as a team player uh, that Saturday, that one Saturday or every four weeks a Saturday. But at this time I'd, I'd like to withdraw and, and work the money to keep my regular shift. And what's happened is I've, Stonewalled is to, well, we got this for you. You can do this, or you can get this done, or you know, we can put you in another vehicle, or whichever. And I'm
2: just, I, I don't
3: want to change my shift. I just know
2: use... So Ben, Ben, I think okay. So number one, if you're, I think your existing own said you should only work Monday. You you got to do whatever you need to do for your health, okay. And if they're planning you around because they, you're not working this weekend shift that your doctor says you shouldn't and And again, like, yeah, in a normal course to someone who doesn't have a health issue, something uh, should seem pretty straightforward, but, you know, if you have a health issue and something you're not able to do it, they have to abide by that. And if they're now changing other things because they're not happy about that, then that's discrimination, okay? And you don't have to feel like you're in a position that you have to adhere to their request because they're making the rest of your life difficult on you because they don't want to accommodate you. So. You know, it seems like there's a lot going on in your case, um, because a lot has already happened. I, mm-hmm. I think just give the simple solution to this issue, give us a call so we can actually flush out those details. And then okay. someone here can work with you to, you know, make sure you, you make sure you have a great understanding of what your rights are, what you can communicate to them. So you won't feel this, obviously you feel quite pressured by this right now, but we can certainly help you with that. So John will give you the number and uh, we'll help you
1: out. Ben, appreciate your time and yeah, use that number. Write it down. Here it comes. And I'll, I'll give it out several times before the end of the show, of course. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Back to our topic. Back to our phone calls. We'll continue. More employment law show is on the way. This is Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Help at employmentlawyer.ca, the website, the email anytime rather, and of course, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, an incredibly helpful website for all things concerning employment law, free and anonymous, and also the severance pay calculator can be located there as well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But back to our discussion for a few minutes here, Andrew, and that is everything you need to know about termination for cause. How difficult is it, though, to establish termination for cause?
2: It is extremely difficult. Um, It's probably one of the most difficult things an employer can do. The threshold for what amounts to a just cause termination um, is, is higher than even most employees Expect like There's sometimes employees think, oh, maybe this was cause, I don't know, but, but it isn't. It's a very, very, very high bar to meet, especially when you're a long-service employee. Um, the longer you've worked for a company, the harder it'll be for an employer to establish the cause to terminate you. And um, an important thing to keep in mind is you know the, the arbiter, you know the, the decision-maker as to what constitutes cause or isn't cause is not the employer. Okay, so just simply because the employer writes you a termination letter and says, we're firing you for cause for A, B, and C, or they, you know, we're firing you for cause because of what we talked about earlier today, it doesn't mean anything. Their, their opinion of whether or not it's cause is not going to be the deciding factor. It's an objective thing. So if you, if you, if you are terminated for cause, uh, as alleged by the employer, that's what's communicated to you. You know, you should not be concerned until you speak to uh, a lawyer about uh, you know the events that happened, if anything, and and what that actually means to you.
1: Say we take two employees. One's a one's a five year employee. The other one's a twenty five year employee. Does the length of employment does that factor into a termination for cause?
2: Yes, absolutely. So the twenty five year employee, it's going to be much harder to assert that they have. You know that there's valid reason, a just cause to terminate that individual's employment. I mean, it, it's difficult to say that this employee was obviously good enough that we kept him around for a quarter of a century um, <laughs> doing doing their job. But now all of a sudden, we we have absolutely no choice but to let them go. We can't trust them. Their their performance was just so uh, horrendous that uh, that they're they're going to be out of here. So. The longer the serving of an employee you've been, the longer your tenure, the greater your seniority, the harder certainly it will be for an employer to ever establish it as just cause to terminate your employment.
1: And I know, you know, employers will will do that for, I mean, other reasons. The big one is they won't have to pay any severance. But is there a situation uh, with the termination for cause that you are owed severance?
0: Uh, yes. So,
2: again, uh, you know, as mentioned, just because it's stated that it's cause doesn't mean that it is at all so you know there's many times where just it's not cause even though it's that's the purported reason and and then we fight for your severance and then there are you know without getting into the weeds there are actually a couple of thresholds for what constitutes um just cause and and what constitutes something so horrible that you're owed no severance so there actually are some situations where an employer could say look we have cause to terminate your employment but because the the underlying conduct wasn't willful, it wasn't intentional, um, it wasn't so horrible to justify you not getting your severance, that you'd actually still get some severance in that situation. So there are there's some interesting distinctions in that regard. So there are there are like you've said there's some there are some situations where it could be considered cause, but you actually still get some severance entitlement.
1: You know, you often talk about, and uh, both you and Leora have used the term, you know, employers will pull the trigger too early on a termination for cause. How many, you know, how many chances should an employee get before that goes down?
2: Um, and that's a great question. And the number of chances, there's no black and white rule. So there's there's not the kind of a, a a guidebook you can find online and be like, okay, we've given them chance number four. Now we can do it, right? So it's going to be based on the conduct, right? Obviously. So some conduct is so horrible that like, you know, if you, if your employer finds out that you've been committing fraud and stealing tens of thousands of dollars from the company and you're in an accounting role, you might not need that many warnings to get rid of that person. Right. Um, if you're being terminated because you're late, uh, in the morning and you're seven minutes late or 10 minutes late you're going to need to get quite a few warnings multiple multiple warnings maybe even a suspension before you could ever be terminated for cause so it'll be directly tied to the actual conduct
1: i want to get to uh, one more email here we just got a minute to go so we'll get it in quick christina says uh, andrew i've worked for uh, three days a week for the past three months as business has been slow originally my boss told me it was temporary, but things have now picked up and he hasn't said anything about my schedule going back to five days per week. What do I do?
2: Well, the the best thing that Christina could do is something that hopefully happened in the past. And, and that's something to keep in mind for all everyone watching and listening to the show is if you agree to something temporarily, because you, you, you understand what the employer is going through, put in writing very quickly that you're agreeing to this decrease to three days a week uh, of work and expect to go back to five as things pick up. So now things that have picked up, what if she hasn't, Christina hasn't sent that communication already, she has to do so as soon as possible. And again, in writing, saying, look, as you know, you cut my schedule to three days per week, on the kind of business being slow, obviously things have been picking up and I haven't gone back to five days. Can you please let me know what when that day is going to come, that I'll be back to five. I expect that to happen very soon. Um, and you want to communicate that as soon as possible.
1: And with that, we are complete. Thank you so much for uh, for calling in and writing in with your emails, etc. You want to reach out to Andrew now. You can do that. Here's here's the way, 1-855-821-5900. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address we use. Justemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll give you a route to our TV show And, of course, the website, all built for you, free and anonymous. Use it even before the phone call, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's been real. Thanks so much for your contributions. We'll pick it up again at a later date. Employment Law Show, right here, Global News Radio.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.